You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with fellow tech nerds, John Beeler and AJ Vickery. We have a great show today. Later on in the program, we'll uh, be talking with our good friend, Dwayne Story. He's uh, our uh, tech digital nomad who uh, lives now in Valencia, Spain. He's working on a really cool project, as I think a lot of us are, are doing now to uh, uh, use up some of the time during the pandemic here. He is making a tube amp. AJ, do you remember tubes? Are you that? Are you old enough? Yes, I remember yeah. <laughs> tubes. Uh, TVs used to have tubes in them. Uh, amplifiers for your stereo used to have uh, vacuum tubes in them uh, as well, basically to amplify the uh, you know the sound. So he is uh, going old school and making uh, one himself. So we'll uh, be chatting with him and uh, what he's had to do to make that all happen. I mean. If you had to go and buy one now, uh, like a, a tube amplifier, those things can be like ten thousand dollars. Well, but mention to him uh, when you're talking to him that um, there's a there's a big TV uh, just out on the curb, says saying please take for free, just around the corner from my place. <laughs> one of the old style ones with yes. the tubes. So <laughs> that is super old. Okay, let's uh, talk about some of the uh, the tech news uh, this week. Uh, a lot of us are obviously using video conferencing to keep in touch with uh, work and also family and friends. One of the biggest ones uh, right now in the world is Zoom, and everyone's, uh, I guess, struggling to keep up with them. Uh, I think one of the big features uh, for me, and uh, even AJ, you're uh, using, we're using Zoom uh, this week to capture the video for our video podcast, uh, the virtual background. So it, it looks like uh, Skype is trying to get in on that action now as well. Oh, it makes perfect sense. You know, I mean, it's such a it's such a great way to sort of turn what might usually be in kind of like an ugly backdrop, or maybe you don't want people to see your bed when you're, you know, talking to them in a business meeting. So it just sort of cuts all that out and just sort of using the software in the computer just, just puts your body in the frame in any backdrop or any setting you want to be in. It, it almost seems that everyone except Zoom got caught uh, during this pandemic with their pants down. You know, when it comes to video conferencing, like they're all struggling to keep up with Zoom. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, I mean, I don't think anyone could have really predicted that it would have been such a major shift to to needing to continue to do business, um, uh, but needing to do it virtually. I mean, it makes perfect sense in hindsight. I think so. Um, Facebook obviously wants to get in the action as well. They're probably upset that uh, they don't completely own this <laughs> this space. Uh, they have something called Messenger Rooms, uh, and they uh, are going after Zoom and the House Party app uh, as well, kind of blending the best of both worlds. Do you trust uh, Facebook to, to use this? <laughs> I, well, I guess it comes down to one of those things on just which application you use and you're most comfortable with, and I think that's where people are going to get... Um, that's where they're going to see a quick upside, some of these companies, to putting these things out because there's a lot of people that don't want to install Zoom because it's just another computer program. they got to download it. Maybe they heard about some Zoom bombing or some security problems. They use Facebook every day, so then all of a sudden it's like more comfortable for them to use these other platforms. The only thing I would comment on is that um, you know, sometimes when these programs come out that are very specific to the tasks they need to do, they're quite excellent. And I would put Zoom in that category. They're very, it's excellent in terms of the application and what you can do with it. Um, and uh, sometimes when I use these other applications, I find that they're, they're, they're pale by comparison. You know, they just don't quite have the same, the same integration used across multiple platforms. You know, they tend to be sometimes more buggy. I haven't used the uh, Facebook one myself, but. Yeah, I'm interested. Um, 
this uh, this new one from Facebook will allow up to fifty people to join a call, and uh, you know you don't have to necessarily download any software, uh, and it'll start off in wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they'll uh, start off with Facebook, and because they own you know some of the other biggest social media platforms like Instagram and WhatsApp, it'll be bringing the uh, the messenger rooms to to those platforms as well in the future. So. Uh, I think out of all the competitors to Zoom out there, they actually have a shot. You know, when you look at the install base or the user base for Facebook, Instagram, and and WhatsApp, uh, that's pretty well the whole world. You know, the, it's the, billions. Uh, go ahead. The, the thing, the thing about that though, that's a little concerning is the fact that with Zoom, I can create an anonymous link that I can send to a stranger saying, "Hey, let's have a meeting or a chat about something." I don't have to be friends on Facebook with you to have that chat. Um, and so it's unclear to me how messenger rooms will handle, you know, those outsiders uh, or people that you don't necessarily want to expose your personal Facebook account to. So s- presuming messenger rooms is meant for more of the social stuff as opposed to the business side of things. But yeah, um, so that, that's, that, that's one of the things that Zoom, I think, did really well is like, here, just use this link, you know, yeah, download the app or just use the browser. Uh, you don't need to sign up for anything. You know, I've already done all that work for you. Yeah, so they and say. I really don't think anything past eight or ten should be should be in a virtual conference together. <laughs> personally, <laughs> we're doing our child's school meetings now, and like you know, imagine like five year olds. You don't want more than three of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, this particular one, uh, Facebook uh, Messenger Rooms, uh, say that uh, you don't have to be you don't have to have a Facebook account uh, or guests don't, but uh, obviously the person that starts it uh, would probably have to have a Facebook account, which uh, to your point, uh, you know, then everyone knows who you are, right? Which Right, because maybe- not everyone's using their real name in their Facebook account either, right? Because yeah. there's a certain level of anonymity that they want to have in that. Um, so, or at least how you get into that account. So, uh, Another one that uh, people are using now is Microsoft Teams. And I think most people probably hadn't even heard of Microsoft Teams, but uh, they have grown to 70%, up to 75 million daily active users. And again, to compare that to Zoom, Zoom, I think, has 300 million uh, right now. So they're still uh, in the lead. I haven't used Microsoft Teams myself. AJ, you have. Uh, What's your experience been like? Well, I have used Teams um, now in a couple um, different uh, places. There's a few companies that I've been having some Teams calls with, as well as, um, as I mentioned before, uh, we're part of the Vancouver School Board, and they're using Teams for um, to set up all the classrooms for the kids to learn from home. Uh, you know, there's some cool features to it in terms of being able to create assignments and and being able to, for the school platform, you know, do your assignments and then upload them, turn them in, and then get sort of notification back that you've done that assignment and turned it in. You know, a, with Microsoft being sort of like a business-based application Obviously, Microsoft Office, um, you know, Teams kind of has that same sort of, you know, corporate feel to it as well as the corporate um, tools that are built into it that I think do work quite well. Uh, I think that, um, uh, you know, from that pure conferencing standpoint and a lot of these uh, additional f- um, sort of features that are that are more um, I say consumer friendly or personal, you know, what we might use in our personal time. I think that um, it, it, it fails in comparison for me personally uh, in terms of use. And then, you know, again, multiple platforms, it does work on the mobile, it does work on the PC, it does work on the Mac, on the tablet and whatnot. Um, but uh, overall, I would say that like my experience with uh, Teams, I'm uh, sorry, um, Zoom yeah. um, is better when it comes to this video, video conferencing and sort of social interaction 
interaction part. So you're not going to be the face of Microsoft Teams anytime <laughs> soon? I don't think so. I mean, the one thing about that uptake, though, that's worth mentioning is that the accessibility to Teams, right? Like, that's what you have to think about. Like, first of all, if you are if you subscribe to Office, which you almost have to now, Teams is kind of like part of that already toolbox that's in the Microsoft 365 platform. Yeah. So right away, it's like, oh, I already have it installed. Or maybe not installed, but it's already free as part of my subscription. So it's already included. So for people to look at that versus do I get a paid account or a free account on Zoom, if I take the Zoom account, it's limited in terms of how many minutes I can use. You know, Teams becomes a quick uptake, which is why I think, you know, that growth number is so possible for Microsoft. Can they sustain it, though? Or will it hold out in competition to something like Zoom? That's that's what's to be seen. Well, I was kind of interested in it um, because, you know, in our company, AJ, we, uh, we use Microsoft Office. So I'm kind of assuming that it's part of our package somewhere <laughs> in there. Yes, um, yeah, it's a part of our subscription. Yeah, but we're also right now paying for uh, a messenger, a business messaging uh, platform called Slack, which... Yeah hugely popular in, in business. It's kind of like instant messenger meets email. And I was wondering, you know, could we replace Slack? Because we're paying for that as well with Microsoft yeah. Teams, which, you know, yeah. we're paying for. Yeah, I mean, like, a, you know, Slack for a license, we think we have something like 16 or 18 users. You know, we pay like, you know, close to $1,500 a year for that platform uh, because we're on the pro version of Slack. Um, you know, that cost would be reduced to zero if we use Teams. And that's a very attractive thing for any business. And Compared to Slack, how is it? Well, Slack is just, again, one of those purpose-built applications. You know, it's fast. It works on all the different platforms really, really well. Um, you know, I would say that my experience using Slack over Teams, Slack is, in my pr- experience, much better application. <laughs> so it loses again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've got something to strive for. Okay. We're going to have to take a break here uh, in a moment. I want to encourage everyone, uh, if you haven't checked it out, uh, again, visit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got a great newsletter there. We've got uh, the contest that runs through the newsletter as well. If you subscribe, you're entered to win the, the weekly contest. And also, we have a great YouTube channel. We are pumping out all kinds of great uh, videos, everything from... Uh, tech uh, reviews to how-to videos, uh, everything you can imagine. And uh, we'd love if you would uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, and also like and and comment on our uh, videos. That helps us build up even uh, a a bigger video uh, library. When we come back from the break, we're going to open up the Get Connected uh, mailbag. We've been getting a lot of questions uh, during the pandemic as obviously more people have time on their hands in front of their computers. We're going to answer some of the uh, the questions uh, from you. Everything from uh, photo sticks to webcams and how secure they, they are and uh, blocking your number. You listen to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John and AJ. Don't... Uh, don't tune out yet. Uh, we're going to get to our mailbag here in uh, a second. And uh, later on, we'll be talking with our good friend Dwayne Story from Valencia, Spain, checking in on him and his uh, project uh, that he's doing during the pandemic here. It's uh, all about creating his own tube amplifier. For the oldies out there, they know how great the sound was when uh, they would listen to their uh, uh, their records uh, that were hooked up to their uh, tube amplifier. Well, he's uh, putting one together again, so we're going to understand uh, how uh, he's making that all happen. It's pretty pretty cool. Let's jump to the mailbag, uh, guys. Uh, we, we've been getting a lot of questions uh, coming uh, in to uh, get connected through the website. Uh, one of the ones we keep getting questions on, we covered it in the radio show uh, a few weeks ago, John, is the photo stick. How do you create your own photo stick? Or, you know, if you if you buy one of these, you see advertised on the internet, 
uh, are they any good and are they worth the money? And explain what a photo stick is again, John. You, you basically, you, you get this USB thumb drive, you plug it into your computer and it runs some software that will then gather and copy all of your photos. And the, um, the short answer is I, I don't recommend them. I think there's better ways to spend that same kind of money because it can be pretty expensive to buy them and they're pretty small. They're like a hundred bucks plus sometimes. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And again, we've already covered this, but the quick, simple answer is just buy an external hard drive and there's some tools. We've got links on our website. Just look for photo sticks on our homepage right now and uh, you'll have the full rundown what we recommend and we'll even embed the the video podcast from a previous uh, episode where we talk about it at length right up on our website getconnectedmedia.com uh webcams <laughs> obviously uh, we all have to use webcams uh, right now and uh, john we've uh, we got an email in from peter yeah so peter is looking to get a webcam and like everybody else on the internet they can't he can't get a logitech that's his favorite and that's what that's what i use uh, if i'm not using my my built-in macbook uh, camera and uh, so they're sold out everywhere and so he's wondering about these generic hd webcams on amazon and he's concerned about how secure these might be to use um he's also wondering if we know of any retailers that have logitech cameras in stock and uh, no, <laughs> they're pretty much, they're like toilet paper they're, You just, you can't get them. Um, but the, the thing is, uh, I do know that Amazon has been stocking them and Graham Williams, our, our host on the app show, he actually just bought a, a Logitech webcam directly from logitech.com. So maybe go to the source, uh, not the actual source, uh, the show, the store, but the source of Logitech, Logitech.com, and uh, order directly from them if you're having trouble finding one locally. Um, but as for these uh, these generic HD webcams on Amazon, they, they should be fine. They're literally just cameras with USB cables on them. Um, I don't know exactly what he's uh, worried about from a security standpoint. Um, I think he's worried that people could hack into them. Didn't you remember the Wise cameras that you loved? Didn't they yeah. have a security flaw where people could access the camera? But that's a little different, though. That's a that's a, a externally facing camera, yeah. in, in the sense that it's uh, it, it's exposed to the internet, so you can access it remotely, like a like a security cam type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, if I understand Peter's question properly, I think he's looking to get a, a USB webcam that would not be connected to the internet per se, but it's physically connected to his computer, and then he would use that for Zoom or or whatever. And um, Suppose it's possible if some manufacturer wanted to wanted to be uh, underhanded, they could put software um, into the camera physically itself, and as when you plug it into your computer, it could want to run some something that gave yeah. outside access if they were literally being malicious. Yeah, because the thing is, most Windows and and Mac computers these days they don't need a driver; they just recognize it as a camera. Um, exactly. So yeah. you just plug it in and go, and and you know. FaceTime, Facebook, or Zoom will just recognize it as a, as a camera option. It might have some weird name that you have to choose depending on you know uh, what this USB signature is on that particular camera. It won't come up as Logitech, obviously, but um, whatever it is will, would pop up and you choose that from a drop-down list of, of what your available cameras are. I think they're probably fine. Uh, and if you can get one, great. But I think even those cameras might be hard to find because I think everyone's just been scrambling to get something better. Yeah, it's a tough, uh, tough thing. I mean, you know, he's asking about these generic... Uh, cameras, you know, out of, out of China. I mean, the name brand models have just as big, a, you know, uh, amount of uh, uh, capability to be hacked as yeah. these generic ones. Uh, so it's it, that's a tough call. And a lot of them are all made in the same factory, anyways. They just they're just different different white labeled branding, anyways. 
if uh, you listen to our uh, sister show, The App Show, tomorrow, uh, we will also be covering how you can use certain DSLRs as your web camera, which would make them like the ultimate web camera, you know, as far as technology. So, again, uh, listen to The App Show tomorrow morning from 10 to 11. And uh, if you've got a DSLR, you might be on the list, and we'll tell you how that uh, all works uh, as well. Uh, John, we have uh, one more uh, question from Natalie. Yeah, she's wondering uh, about uh, using her phone to call people. Now she's working from home, like a lot of us are, and she's got to make calls, but normally she'd be using her office phone. And I guess she's got a blocked number and she doesn't want her uh, name and number exposed to the people that she's calling. I don't know what kind of business she's doing, um, but uh, as far as I know, there's no way to to have it so that your uh, name shows up and not your number if you're a blocked call. It's just a blocked call. Uh, the problem that she's having is that people aren't answering her call because it's coming up as a blocked call, and it, you know, people don't want to answer a phone if they don't know who's calling, um, and it's not her business name or, or something else on there. So um, you can talk to your 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 phone provider. I don't know if she's using a landline or a cell phone. Um, but as far as I know, there's no way to uh, unblock partially your phone number or your name and uh, and have that show up. Um, the, the, you would have to talk to your, your provider about that, but I'm pretty sure there's no way to do that. Okay. When we come back from the break, we will be learning how to make your own tube amplifier from uh, our friend uh, Dwayne Story over in Valencia, Spain. This is a really interesting uh, segment uh, and uh, what he's had to do to make that uh, all happen. And uh, if you don't know what a tube amplifier is, stay tuned anyway. It's a fascinating uh, look into the the past of uh, technology. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler, still uh, broadcasting from our home studios. Wanted to uh, go all the way over to Valencia, Spain, to uh, one of our uh, tech friends. His name's Dwayne Story. He uh, has been on the program before, basically uh, telling us about his uh, life over uh, in uh, Europe and uh, how he is uh, being a a digital nomad. Well, he's uh, actually got an interesting uh, project on the go right now. I've been following him on uh, Facebook, and he he is putting together, uh, together a tube amplifier and actually designing his own uh, board to do it uh, as well. So I, I thought we'd bring him on the show uh, to uh, learn a little bit more about that. Uh, for those folks that aren't uh, familiar with uh, tube amplifiers, we'll get into a little bit about uh, what that uh, is. But uh, Dwayne, thanks for joining us. And uh, I just got to ask, uh, this project, is this your descent into madness? You know, it certainly could be. Uh, I actually started this probably about seven or eight years ago, and I did a blog entry about it. And it's sort of been at the back of my mind ever since. So uh, at, at some level, the quarantine we're experiencing here in Spain uh, has been good for that because I've had lots of time to sort of push it forward finally. So, Yeah, it sounds like they're just kind of easing up on some of the restrictions in Spain. I think you get an hour outside each day for exercise now. Right. Yes, yeah, so it's been 46 days where we've basically only been allowed to go get groceries or to the pharmacy. So starting in a few days, we're actually everybody's allowed to have one hour of exercise a day, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's, you know, at this point, it's heavenly just to be able to get outside. So sounds like prison life. <laughs> it does, actually. I was thinking about that. Yeah. Well, let's uh, talk about your tube amplifier uh, project. And uh, for the kids out there, uh, explain uh, what a, a tube amplifier uh, is. So if you have an amplifier at home for listening to music, it's sort of the opposite of a tube amplifier, and it's something called a solid-state amplifier. And that basically just means it's using transistors and MOSFETs and things like that to amplify the sound. 
Uh, but in the old days, before there was transistors and sort of in the era of the Beatles and the radio shows, uh, what did the amplification wasn't a transistor, it was a vacuum tube. And it has a different kind of quality to it. Um, some people would argue a more musical quality. Um, and so it just seemed like something I wanted to build to uh, for my record player primarily, but just something that's, you know, it's not just something that sounds great. It's something that looks good too, because usually the tubes are glowing when you're listening to music and it just seemed like a really interesting project that would sort of tax my digital skills and also the analog side too, the amplification, because that's all new to me too. So, Well, it's interesting. I remember when, uh, when I was young, I think our TV actually had tubes in it uh, as well. And every so often, uh, uh, you know, they would blow and you'd have to go down to, I remember going to London Drugs, they had a tube tester. You could bring your tubes in to put on this machine to see if they were uh, still good. And uh, if uh, they weren't, uh, you'd have to buy a new uh, tube. And, And so... This is kind of fascinating. I know a lot of the old, uh, older uh, listeners kind of understand that technology, but what made you want to do this besides actually, having nothing else to do? <laughs> well, you know, it's actually funny. When I was back in university, there was this guy named Chad, and he had built one of these. Um, and it just it was something that always struck me as being a really interesting project. And my background's in electrical engineering, actually, and his was too. And just to see him actually apply some of his his university skills to make something, you know, tangible inside. I mean, I spent a lot of my day writing software and it's great, but it's, it's really intangible. It's sort of, you know, the wizard behind the curtains. And this is something that would actually be on my table and it would actually be glowing and making sound. And so it just seemed like it was something really fun to do. So. And these things are are normally fairly expensive to buy pre-made, which you can do, of course, um, especially nowadays because they're you know the tubes are harder to source. There's probably only a few companies actually making them uh, anymore, as opposed to back in the old days. Yeah, so I mean, in general, if you're into music in a big way and you like hi-fi systems, you would probably have a tube amplifier at home, and you know they sort of start at the ten thousand dollar mark. Uh, just to get it. I mean, of course, you can get the three or four hundred dollars stuff on Amazon that's just cheaply put together, but the really good stuff starts at around ten thousand. So, yeah, they, they are expensive to build, like you said, because some of the parts are hard to source, and uh, it's just a different way of making sound. I mean, you basically have this 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 tube that's literally electrons are flying between plates, and that's what's making the sound. So it's just it's a totally different way to make music and it's a throwback to a different era same as vinyl i mean vinyl's resurgence sort of falls into that too where people have sort of moved away from the cd and digital aspect into vinyl and i think the tube amplifier for me is sort of a a throwback to that different romanticized life i guess so it's a bit of nostalgia but also um just a different sort of overall tone and warmth to the sound that you don't get from the like you said the solid state systems that most people would typically have yeah, so I don't want to bog people down with theory, but uh, there's something called distortion and solid state amplifiers. They make something called uh, odd order distortion and odd order distortion is not musical. It's very grating. You, you know, it's it's where you're listening to music and you get tired after a while, whereas tube amplifiers, they throw out something called even order distortion, which is it's musical. It's harmonically related to the sound. So it's it'd be like a chorus pedal and guitar, or you know, someone singing in the same note, but in a different uh, octave. For example, so so even though it's technically on paper has more distortion, it sounds better because it's musically related to the original sound. So. How would you even begin to go about trying to put something like this together? Are there plans on the internet that you can download and and use? 
So there are tons of plans. Part of the challenge for me and why it's taken me seven years is because I really wanted to do it all myself. So I have certainly referenced a lot of designs um, from the 60s and, uh, you know, trying to take some of the best of both of them or best of all of them. But uh, for me, it's really designing from scratch and taking my beats with that because I'm sure the first time I put something on, it's not going to work the way I think. And um, But nowadays, it's so easy. You can download all these programs for simulating circuits like LT Spice on the Mac. That's what I'm using to actually simulate the analog side. Uh, KeyCAD, which is sort of... We'll get into the PCB stuff, but that's what I've been using to sort of uh, put together my PCB boards. And um, and all this is free for the most part, so it's been really easy to replicate. I mean, back when I was in university, it was so hard to be able to do stuff like this. I mean, you'd be paying $1,000 for, you know, something that's now free. So it's certainly more, uh, it's easier for people to get into if they want to. I think that's that's a key point too. Is back when you were in university, you couldn't get a circuit board made. You'd have to either make it yourself, um, or you'd have to be a big manufacturing company to to get it done. But now you're able to use these free tools to design them and sort of uh, prove them. Um, even if you start with a breadboard, but then you can send that that design file off to to some somewhere in China or maybe even locally, and have those circuit boards manufactured for 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 almost nothing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's a company I've been using in, in China, JLPCB or JLCPCB, and they offer five boards for $2 plus shipping. And so, you know, I spent, I did a small breadboard previously, like a little prototype, and it took me a few hours of soldering. And it's like, well, if I can just spend $2, <laughs> you know, I'd much rather spend the time in the computer perfecting the design, send it out, and then 10 days later have it arrive. And it's basically, you know, it's all, it has the PCB traces, so it saves me all the soldering. So just a better use for my time, I think. Because I know how to solder, you know how to solder. I mean, I've done it so many times. That's not the fun part for me. The fun part is the iteration and the designing. Well, so, and, and that's the cool thing is, is that you can iterate, you know, for, for two bucks a pop and uh, and actually have something that actually looks professional as opposed to, uh, you know, this crazy hodgepodge that looks like a bomb kind of wiring system. No, it's true. And I mean, the only downside to that is, you know, it's probably a 10, 12 business day turnaround. So I have four designs en route back to me <laughs> because I, I couldn't wait. Long, you know, I didn't have the patience. So I get submitting another one with more features. So so when they all four arrive, I can sort of test them all and see, you know, which were the pieces that work. We're going to have to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll uh, continue to speak with Dwayne's story about his uh, tube amplifier project. Uh, really fascinating stuff. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We have Dwayne Story on the line. We've been chatting uh, with him about his tube amplifier project. Again, for the kids out there, uh, back in the day to get the amplification of the sound, uh, most uh, audio video devices, including TVs and amplifiers, used vacuum tubes. And uh, some people still like those uh, for audio they find it has a much richer uh, natural sound and uh, you can actually buy these amplifiers uh, they're anywhere from like a few hundred dollars uh, on amazon all the way up to thousands if not ten thousand dollars let's learn a little more so you're talking about designing your own uh, boards can you buy these things pre-made uh i think you could um on some of these there's like diyaudio.com i think and there's a whole tube forum there and they have a, their own store but uh, I mean, I never thought about monetizing this, but certainly because my previous business was selling open source software, I was thinking that it would be possible. I mean, at the end of this, I have to order five boards at once. I only need one. So at the very end, I'm going to have a really great design for, you know, the heart of my amplifier, but I'm going to have four extra and a design I can easily print out for, you know, 10 euros 
So I may, I may think of selling these or at least, you know, open sourcing some of the designs to help other people. So. How is it finding the parts overall for this project so far? You know, you talked about designing your own board, which is kind of the heart of uh, keeping this thing all together. What about all the, the tubes and, and other components? So the tubes aren't too bad. There's still quite a few companies that make them. I mean, Russia's a, a, a country, you know, there's a bunch of companies in Russia that make tubes. Um, whether they're good, people debate that. But uh, I'm using a company in Europe that uh, makes good tubes. They're known for it. So uh, um, that's not too bad. But I mean, all the little components from China, they're easy to source, but they take a long time to arrive. So I mean, I, I literally have 42 packages on the way from China right now of various, you know, different integrated circuits and, you know, capacitors. And because tube amps are high voltage, it, you, you can't just use a normal capacitor. A lot of it, you have to have something, you know, like a 500 volts, you know, capacitor. Um, so some of the components are a little specialized, but uh, the only there's only one component that was really tricky for me to source, and that was I, I wanted digital volume control, even though like the amplifier itself is uh, analog. I wanted to be able to eventually put a remote on this, uh, and if you're going to have a remote, then basically the the volume has to be controlled digitally. So that was the only hard part to find because you have a left and right channel that has to be controlled at the same time. And we hear sound logarithmically. We don't hear it linearly. And it was hard to find a volume control that understood that it would be for audio and that you have to sort of scale, you have to scale non-linearly. So, but I eventually did find one in the UK of all places. So how much are you into this for now, Dwayne? <laughs> oh, I, I really don't know. I mean, the amplifier itself, when it's done, will be about 1500 Canadian worth of parts. But I've probably spent another thousand Canadian on top of that, you know, <laughs> uh, in, in components, just because you can't just buy one capacitor, right? You have to, from China, you have to buy a hundred. Yeah. You know, so, so I have a lot, I mean, the good news is I'll have a lot of extra components at the end. And, and I did order some new tra uh, transformers, actually. So my plan is to make a second one when this is done. A little bit different design, but uh, I will definitely have two at the end and I might sell the second one. But uh, is this a new business for you, Dwayne's uh, tubeamplifier.com? Uh, I don't know. Actually, it's it's interesting. I, I I do really enjoy it, and I am taking it seriously. Like I am trying to make something that looks good and professional, and I'm taking my time. Like it's going to have an LCD on it, and it's going to have a bezel in it. It's something I think if you saw it in a showroom, it would not look out of place. That's my goal. And I'm normally an impatient person for stuff like this, but because, like I said, seven years, I don't mind waiting two or three weeks as new parts arrive, and I just tackle it piece by piece but uh yeah i mean i'd love to i'd love to do one-offs for amplifiers uh, that would be a lot of fun we've been talking with Dwayne story uh he is a, a digital nomad a, a web and uh, software developer uh canadian but living over in valencia spain right now and uh working on this new uh tube amplifier project Dwayne, i want to thank you for your time and i i hope when you plug it into the wall it works when it's finally I put do. together. Yeah, I do too. Actually, I the other day I tried soldering something and the whole power went out in the house. So. <laughs> Take down the power for your block. That's, that's great. Dwayne, thanks again for joining us. No problem, thanks. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike, AJ, and John here. It's time for Tech of the Week. And this week, we're going to cover a couple smartphones. Uh, the new one, what is it? The OnePlus 8 Pro. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Uh, the latest Android phone and the iPhone SE. I've had a chance to have uh, my hands on that uh, for a few days. John, we'll start to, or sorry, AJ, uh, you've had uh, a chance to check out the OnePlus 8 Pro, uh, a very popular uh, brand out of China. 
Yes, and um, if you are watching the podcast, I am physically holding the device here uh, as well, um, which will give you a chance to sort of just see some of the things I'm saying about the uh, the quality and the and the, the overall design. Um, you know, first off, I'd like to say that OnePlus has traditionally been known for trying to come out with what they kind of called the 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 sort of like the premium phone killer. You know, what they wanted to do was come out with a phone that had all the premium specs, but was maybe, you know, missing one or two things, which took it out of that premium category. But then they also always just price attacked the premium phones. And so for the longest time that I've been reviewing the one, plus phones and using them as my usual everyday type of phone, um, I've always just had a little bit of those less features that the, you know, full premium phones do have. For example, could make phone charging. Could make phone calls. It's never... <laughs> exactly, but uh, but anyway, the, this is this is the first time OnePlus has actually just thrown that aside, and they've come out with what they're actually you know, which actually now is a premium phone. It's got every single feature uh, that any of the premiums do have, and it has a price point that kind of goes with that. But let's talk a little bit about it. First of all, you can see on the back here for those watching this show, it's got an impressive camera bump on it. It actually has four. It's got a quad camera system built into it, including a 48 megapixel full sensor camera. So the camera that's built into this and the technology is just outstanding. They're actually touting it to be one of the best cameras out there on the marketplace today. Uh, one of the four cameras, there's a telephoto, telephoto lens, which is a times 30. There's a, a, a macro lens a camera as well for close-up shots. And then there's also a color filter um, lens, which I found interesting. I'm not exactly too sure how often you would use that, but essentially you can just put all these really cool filters on that is, are being done with the camera, not with software. The front of the screen, again, premium. It's got the full AMOLED uh, technology built into it. Um, it is. Um, uh, it runs at you know 4K at 120 hertz. So it's just got incredible um, picture quality to it, and it's actually got stereo speakers built into it as well. So you can sort of take that experience watching whether your own videos um, or um, or just even watching videos off of Netflix or whatever it makes them incredible. Uh, price point. You know, it is a 5G as well, which we're going to see in all premium phones these days, uh, 1400 Canadian. Well, if uh, you don't have that kind of money to spend, and, and it is a beautiful phone, no question. I've, uh, you know, read the reviews on that. Uh, check out my review of the iPhone SE. It's up on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Uh, I've uh, also done a, a great uh, video about it. I sound like Trump. It's a great video <laughs> about the iPhone uh, SE. What I love about it is it's uh, got a lot of the premium features as far as power. Uh, got a great uh, camera on it and the price five ninety nine. Literally half the price of uh, your phone, AJ. Sorry. Anyway, check it out. Half Get the conne- features half the price. That's the way it should be. Oh, okay. <laughs> GetConnectedMedia.com. Uh, check out my uh, review of the iPhone SE if you're in the market for a new iPhone. That's all the time we have left. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the uh, show together. Don't forget to hit our YouTube page as well and uh, subscribe, like, and comment on our videos so we can make even more. See you again next time.